0: remaining six six yeah that remaining one six is, is our buddy Craig uh, so w- welcome welcome to the stats episode of this podcast so uh, once again the caveat we were recording Sunday morning Sunday o- October 25th at a uh, 1030 in the a.m. so um, today's football games have not yet happened um, World Series game five has not yet happened uh, but we are coming off of a wild Game 4 that we will be certainly be getting into. And we're going to talk a little bit about a topic that we usually talk about every season and have not thus far this year due to uh, that Rona and other things taking precedent. So with that being said, Corwin, do you want to start with a little bit of college football?
1: No, I think we should end with sadness. Let's start with happy. <laughs>
2: Yeah, that's what I, that's what we're doing. We're starting with Penn State.
1: Wait, what did I just say?
0: Well, you said let, let let's let's start with happy.
1: Oh, yeah, no. That's not happy.
0: I mean, I'm I'm pretty okay with it.
2: <laughs> I fucking hate you.
0: Yeah, I know. Oh, man.
1: Let's well, start with baseball. Let's start with the Rays.
2: Actually, real quick, just because I always
0: say we haven't seen the results of this week's football games yet. And then I feel like we never go back to like really quickly just blast through what happened last week. So maybe it might be worth real quick to just like take a a hop, skip and a jump back to back to week six to just talk to see if there's anything interesting. Um, Lions beating the Jaguars. Do you care? No. Colts beating the Bengals. Do you care? No. Panthers beating the sorry Bears beating the Panthers.
1: I feel like that's one of those games where it was technically not an upset, but everyone was going with the Panthers because it was the fun pick and the Bears are, you know, despite being 5-1, and one, or how are they 5-1, and one, one of those teams? So, technically yeah, that's not an thing. upset, but at the same time, it's like, what? Eh.
2: Yeah, it,
0: I know exactly what you mean. It's like, this is not a good team. They must lose eventually, and yet they keep on winning. Um, and they played good teams um a couple anyway between the Colts and the Bucks their next game is against the Rams the next the next four games uh, heading into their bye week are Rams Saints Titans and Vikings and those teams all have the tendency to be good um some have a tendency to be bad but you'd think eventually they have to start losing cuz this 5 and 1 is ridiculous um Steelers beating the Browns I know you care personally is there any story out of that game
1: Yeah I mean just how good the Browns offense has been since they played the Ravens, and just how badly they were shut down by the Steelers. So I think that's a pretty big deal, but um, we'll see if it can hold up this week against the Titans, which again, we haven't seen the game yet, so we'll see. Uh, but that's definitely a big storyline about you know how complete and how dominant this Steelers team can be this year. When honestly a lot of other teams, a lot of the other top teams have been exposed.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Um Ravens
0: narrowly edging out the Eagles. Eh. Care? Eh. Kinda. Not really. Yeah. Uh Titans beating the Texans in overtime and a shootout.
1: Um yeah, this was a fun game.
0: Yeah. Also, though, it's like this is like a really cool game, but like at the same time, the end result being where the you know wins and losses go, this is what you'd expect. So it's like, right? Yeah. Um, Giants beating Washington. We talked briefly about it. Um, both teams are bad. This was a toss up, and a one point point differential pretty much confirms that. Um, Broncos beating the Patriots. I think we might have talked about this too.
1: Did we?
0: I don't remember. Do we care?
1: I don't think we did. We care a little bit just because <laughs> it's fun when the Patriots lose, and not a whole lot of people expected this. And Well, not like this game in particular, more or less just the uh, Patriots being this uh, fairly bad, even with Cam Newton at quarterback. Um was he back? Is he back from injury yet? Did yeah, this, he even play in the this this game? Was, this
0: was his first game
1: back. Right. Okay. Just wanted to make sure before I talked about it. You know, it it's something you could see, but didn't really want to believe because it's still Bill Belichick the Patriots. But yeah, this is not a very good team this year, and uh, I'm really excited to see them kind of you know miss the playoffs. That'll be super exciting.
0: Oh, that'd be that'd be the best. I would love that. Um, if I could be a, a, a brief Cam Newton apologist, though, he is coming off the Rona and had to play at Mile High Stadium,
1: and that must have sucked. Oh, yeah. <laughs> could not imagine that being a fun time.
0: Yeah, hey, you know that respiratory illness? Well, welcome to very thin air. Okay. Um, the Falcons beat the Vikings. Do you care?
1: I feel like both these teams are. Man, the hey, Vikings they used to be Yes. Did we talk about the Yannick McAquay trade?
0: No, no. You and I talked about it, but we did not talk about it on the show.
1: Right. Do you want to talk about that now while we're on the Vikings, or save it for later?
2: Um, no, we could talk about it now.
1: So, if you could pull up the trade details, because I kind of forget. Um, uh, I'm doing it right now. Perfect. So, you're ahead of me. Um man this is tough for the vikings because on one hand you know he's on a one year deal the last year of his deal so you would need to re-sign him in the off season and with the way they have been playing it's not like it's not locked in where he'd want to come back the team's not playing well definitely worse than expectations they were trying to compete this year and now they're at a point where Man, they are fighting for possible Trevor Lawrence territory if you really look at it. So it's really tough for them right now. I just I don't know if this is them trying to clear up some space for, you know, getting rid of Kirk Cousins, you know, clearing up some room to have that dead space fit in. But whew, this could this could be a a big deal with them trying to, you know, clear it out and, uh, I just, man, uh, yeah. it gets pretty ugly in Minnesota for a good while. So, uh, the trade
0: is, um, to the Ravens goes Yannick and mm-hmm. in exchange for Baltimore's 2021, third round pick and a conditional 2022 con- uh, fifth round pick, um, This is after the Vikings had acquired Ngakwe from the Jaguars in exchange for a 2021 second-round pick and a conditional 2022 fifth-round pick. So they come out of this net um, having moved back one round of the draft.
1: Obviously, you know, it's not a complete loss. You know, it's not a a terribly lopsided trade now, looking in hindsight, where... You know, they gave up a first rounder for him and now had to sell him for pennies on the dollar. One round is obviously valuable, but at the same time, you're not going to have your team fall apart because of this. You know, your team's not going to be set back in any major way because of this. Um, But man, no, it, it's definitely tough to to lose out on that kind of value, especially so quickly.
0: I, I think this is exactly, if I was a Vikings fan, though, this is what I would want the team to do. Like last year, you were 10 and 6, second in the NFC North, and you're thinking, like, all right, like we, a couple more pieces, we could win the division. You know, like, let's make that push before the end of Kirk Cousins' contract. So you go out there and you, you make a trade for a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, try to shore up the defense. You lost some defensive pieces, and then you start off the season one and five. And it's like, all right, we need to start shelling out players, shedding players, because we're not taking the division at this point. It's just not happening. Right. You have the inverse record of the Chicago Bears. The Packers look great, even though they have, they're second in the division right now. They're still my favorites to win it. And, mean, you know, the Lions doesn't matter at this point because those two teams are, are uh, logjamming you from getting to the top of the division. And there's no way you take a wild card with this much of a, of a score deficit at this point in the season when there's mm-hmm. teams that are just performing better than you. So yeah, get rid of what you can. You're getting ready to probably draft a quarterback anyway. You were like, no matter what, you either were have the Minnesota Vikings front office was having the conversation, do we extend Kirk Cousins? Do we look at the free agency market for a new quarterback or do we draft a guy? That conversation was 100% already taking place.
1: The problem so is though, they just extended Kirk Cousins.
0: Wait, they did?
1: Yeah, they extended him like last year, or two years ago, like his Two year extension, like just kicked in, I think this year. Um, and it is completely guaranteed. So, if they were to cut him or release him, they'd have like 40 million dollars in dead cap space. All right. Yeah. So, check this out. So, Kirk
0: Cousins contract runs through 2022. You're right. I completely forgot about this. Um, His cap hit in 2021 is $31 million, with a dead cap of $41 million. His cap hit in 2022 is $45 million, but with a dead cap of $10 million. Why? Why do they do this?
1: Um, And the big thing is, his 2022 salary is fully guaranteed on the third league day of 2021. So it's not like they can go through camp with him and see how he goes or wait for an injury and try and trade him. Like, if he's on the team next year, just really to start the season, they got him for two years.
2: And they're stuck with him. Wow. Jesus Christ. Um, God damn.
1: They're in a tough spot.
0: Now, granted, this does not keep them from having a bad season this season and drafting a rookie quarterback since that rookie QB even if they chose to bench Kirk Cousins and just eat the money, um, mm-hmm. that rookie QB would be cheap. I mean, it's rookie contracts. They they are not a lot of money um, relative to how much teams give out to quarterbacks. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
0: So they could still do that. But wow, I, I was legit tough. sitting over here like, yeah, this is his last season in, in Vikings Purple. And it's like,
1: nope. Mm-mm. Fuck, wow. He is sticking around. You got to hope for a trade, which even then is... Not the not I like, like an immediate solution, but you just you gotta just bite the bullet. This might be the end of like the Vikings attempting to compete, like they just might have to bite the bullet and just start rebuilding now and just completely tear down because of how bad that contract is. It's crippling for them trying to do it anything with any other money.
2: yeah
0: oh man and everyone was touting the idea of the fully guaranteed contract as being the wave of the future but it's mm-hmm.
1: now uh, we see why it's
0: it really coming back well it, it, the thing is like if this was aaron Rodgers, you'd go yeah if it was tom brady you'd go yeah they, they did it for That's Kirk cousins oh. like there's so much doubt like the fact that like cam newton with his with his injury risk um based on his, his, his missing time last season, um, is, uh, in my mind, still a better candidate for fully guaranteed money than Kirk Cousins for, like, two good years in Washington. That was it. <laughs> oh, man, that is just so upsetting.
1: He's, like, the definition of mediocre.
0: He really, he really is. My God.
1: Like, he has these games where, like, he looks relatively good. He doesn't look spectacular, but he looks pretty good and then he just comes around with these games like he, like some of them that he had this year where my god like he looks like he is just completely lost and it's just unplayable and i just don't know how he does it
0: yep yep i know he he, he is the world's most inconsistent player um as i stand right now the the vikings have nine picks in the upcoming draft um, they have – they're currently in position to take the sixth overall pick because they're bad. Uh, that's wild. They're 1-5, in five and they're in position for the sixth overall pick. That's how lopsided the league is right now.
1: That's not good.
2: That's fucking nuts. Jesus. Anyway.
1: That's, that's – wow. That's super surprising.
0: Oh, hold on. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, let me just – go to back to see some records Uh, because what is what is um, what's Houston's record right now? Are they also one in five?
2: Uh, Yes, they are. Yes, they are. So Houston
0: has the seventh. Well, Miami has the seventh overall pick, but from Houston. So Houston at one in five is the seventh overall pick. Then what's the Chargers record? One in four. Mm -hmm. They're the eighth overall pick. Cincinnati one, four, and one. Uh, when is the first team with two wins? Dallas at the 10th overall pick? Two, yes. so, the, so the first team with two wins, two wins on the season so far, is the 10th overall pick. Holy fuck. Teams one through nine have zero or one wins on the season.
1: And there's only, That's, like, what, two teams, man. three teams with undefeated records? It's not like it's a crazy number to, like, offset this.
0: No, no. Only only Seattle, Pittsburgh, and Tennessee, Tennessee have undefeated records. Everyone else has at least one or two losses.
2: Wow. This is wow. a wild season. I mean
1: we knew yeah. that from the and, start,
2: but wow. And the really sad part about it is
0: like most of these teams down here are not trying to be bad. Like Jacksonville's probably trying not trying to be bad, but not actively trying to be good. Houston was to I don't there's too much to even get into with Houston the Giants are rebuilding so like they sh, they sh, they're they not going to be good but they shouldn't be this bad same thing with Washington same thing Minnesota was supposed to be good this season Atlanta wasn't trying to be bad the Chargers aren't trying to be bad the whole NFC East isn't trying to be bad The even the Jets weren't trying to be bad like this was supposed to be a growth year from Darnold where they built off the 7-9 and record and instead they're 0-6 like Most of these teams weren't even trying to do this. Like the Browns were when we saw them, you know, two, three years ago. Like this is, this is
2: just, this is just these franchises sucking it up this,
1: this year. That's wild. I just don't even know how to feel about this. Like what is going to be the breaking point? Like, where is this going to turn to where some of these teams have to start improving? Obviously. Some of these teams are going to stay bad, but like, when, what week are we going to have this? uh, What's the term for it? Just like, uh, like when, when are these teams going to start separating themselves?
0: That I, I, dude, I. All right, so let's. uh, This is not the all statistics related, but fuck it, this is fun. Let's keep going with it. So, let's take it. um, I guess best to worst in terms of where they're situated in the top ten right now. So best is Dallas cuz they're number 10. Um they lost their quarterback for the season and he was the only thing making them relatively competitive. So I would expect them to probably rise towards the um you know top of the draft order as we go on because I don't expect them to be doing much better. Do you?
1: Not really. I think this is just kind of, you know, it for them.
0: Yeah, Cincinnati I could see improving. I'm not Real quick, as a caveat, I do not expect any of these teams to be good. I'm where I think Corbin and I are specifically talking yeah. about which teams will actually start winning a handful of games here and there to end up like I don't know five and eleven instead of staying zero and sixteen to two and fourteen the whole season. So
1: and I definitely in, don't. Ex- Sorry, God.
0: Uh, I was just going to say I think Cincinnati might eventually improve marginally, but what were you going to say?
1: It's like I don't expect any of these teams to like make the playoffs.
0: You know, I would six and ten is probably like the upper um upper limit of what I would expect from any of these teams right now. Yeah, that's fair. Uh so Cincinnati I could see you improving a little bit.
1: Sure, I mean, you know, rookie quarterbacks still have some offensive weapons. They could come back.
0: What what do you make of the Chargers? Do you th- do you see them having some upward mobility here?
1: they have to i mean they're a better team than this record by a fair margin you know i i thought they would have been a competing playoff team even without the Justin Herbert that we see now um
0: i would i would have said the same i i i i see good things for them as they just adapt to the very sudden change that they had to make in quarterback
1: right so i i think they'll improve especially with Justin Herbert playing the way he has um, it's just you know how much is going to be enough,
0: right? I feel you. Uh, all right, Houston. What do you make of Houston? Do you think they will get better yes. or continue to be this bad?
1: Again, like they have Deshaun Watson, he's going to win them some games at some point, but they are not like from a full team's per, per uh, from a pu- full team perspective, they are not built to compete they just are in deep trouble and whoever they bring in and bring in as GM is going to have some serious work to do.
0: Yeah. I, I've never seen such to this degree a disparity between quarterback talent and overall team talent. Like this, this is basically the extent of like Mike Trout on the angels at this point where Deshaun Watson is like, one of the best at his position. I understand Mike Trout is literally the best at baseball, but you know what I'm saying. And um, the whole team around him is just ass, ass in every way, ass. Um, Minnesota.
1: I I don't see them getting much better. I really don't. That team just. I could, like a I could see them.
0: I could see them. Taking some weird games, but I don't see them actually like g- gaining success. Um, Jacksonville.
1: Yeah, no, I, I don't see them again. Like, they all have one win, so like they have to improve, but I don't see them really making a jump at all.
0: Nope. Atlanta.
1: Yeah. Oh my God, they have to.
0: I, I, yeah they're, they're too too talented. Talent. yeah, they're, they are just too good to have this be who they are for the whole season. Plus, right. they're having a, a head coaching change. And I think it's, it's not uncommon to see uh, slight bumps in performance after a head coaching change, um, especially when they have so much going for them on offense. So, all right, these are the three worst now. These are bad teams. Washington.
2: Nope. They're fucked. Giants. Nope. they fucked. Jets.
1: No. I, I, for a second, I did want to say yes if they get rid of Gase, they're gonna get better. But boy, I just don't see them doing it. I just don't see them having that redemption this season.
0: No, no, I, I don't. I don't either. Um, I, I, because the 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 Giants and um, Washington play the rest of the NFC East. I see those teams picking up some wins against their fellow shit tier teams, um, but no one, no one in the AFC East is performing that poorly. Miami is the second place, or is, is the second worst team in the division, and they're sitting at five hundred. So, actually, I no, the Patriots are the second worst team in the division. They're at two and three. Um, but regardless, it's still the Patriots. You give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of future performance, uh, and. The Jets have shown not even a glimmer of hope. So,
2: wow, this is so bad. Like Denver, Denver, who is sitting at two
0: and three, not playing well. You know, it's it's not been great. They have the thirteenth overall pick in the draft. Miami at three and three as fourteenth right now in the draft. That is. They are, they are an average, and I know that 500 is literally average, but, like, it's not, though. and We know that. Like, this is just wild, man. It's,
1: it's, it's insanity. But you know what? That's kind of what we knew coming into this, that this was going to be a weird-ass season. Teams were going to be chaotic in, you know, the outcomes that could be expected from them and it just so happens that a lot of teams just decided to be really bad this year.
0: It would certainly appear that way. Um, God damn. Wow. Okay. All right. Anyway, let's, let's keep it moving. We got sidetracked on uh, Vikings-Falcons. Jets-Dolphins, we talked about uh, Bucks beating the Packers, really trouncing the Packers. Do you, do you care?
1: I care a lot because this was a huge game for both of these teams because the Packers looked unbeatable. They looked like one of the most complete teams in the NFL. They just looked unstoppable. But looking at it now, man, they are in a tough spot where they aren't exactly in a – like they're not – a good enough team to continue on with how they were playing to start the season. They're still one of the best teams in the NFL, but they still have some, they have some improvements they need to make and they need to do it fairly quickly because I think teams are going to lock into the winning uh, strategy for the bucks, which is just, you know, pressure the hell out of Rodgers that use that defensive line to just attack the O-line, which played nowhere near what was expected of what they were going to be this season, you know, against the Bucks, And I think it's going to cause some chaos in the future, you know, for these Packers. But, ugh, excuse me, that being said, it's still early on in the season. And, man, I fully expect them to come back and still be you know the front runner for the NFC along with the Seahawks for the rest of the year.
0: yeah, yeah, it was um this was a wild game because of you know Tampa Bay's relatively inconsistent performance and how dominant Green Bay's been, like you said so it's uh it, I guess it's going to be a telling point for uh what's the name of the the new head coach for for Green Bay Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur. This will be a telling point for him to see if he makes any adjustments in the game strategy following the uh, booty blasting that Tampa Bay delivered to us.
1: Booty blasting. uh,
0: Niners beating the Rams?
1: Um, This was competitive. This was good. This wasn't, you know, the craziest game. Uh, You know, the wildest outcome. But it was super competitive and super what we expected. You know, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, two of the smartest coaches in the league. So, I'm all about it.
0: Yeah, this was a game that at the start of the season, if you were looking at this before anybody had played, you would chalk up to a Niners win. And that's exactly what happened. But because of all the Niners injuries, this made the game a little bit more interesting and a little bit more meaningful. So Mm -hmm. while the result isn't necessarily surprising, it still has a much larger takeaway than it would have four or five weeks ago. Um, All right, Chiefs beating the Bills.
1: Again, a competitive, good game, but not surprising.
0: Yep. And Cardinals fucking the Cowboys.
1: Um, again, like to start the season, this would have seemed crazy, but now it's just like, yeah. Now no it's game. like, of
0: course they did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's like, duh. What were you <laughs> expecting? All right. So that, that wraps up the, the, the NFL games from week six. We got week seven coming up tonight um there this whole week i should this whole day i should say um giants and eagles already played and um there's a wonderful meme of daniel jones being tripped by absolutely nothing and causing the giants to win because That's the giants really are like dandy. just trying not to win football games uh, it would appear um but anyway we you know we'll see how they do my jets are playing the bills they'll lose that game steelers, steelers titans is going to be a super interesting watch um That's for the, game that we and the
1: world locked in
0: Oh, it yes. really is. Oh. I can't believe it's not getting like. I understand Seahawks Cardinals is cool and all, but like these are two undefeated teams. Like this should be the Sunday night game, and I say that as a man who doesn't truly care about either team. Um, even though I host this show with a Steelers fan, <laughs> I, I do not, I do not care for the team, and I, I want to watch it. them Sunday night.
1: Absolutely um, get it. Yep.
0: But anyway, let's, let's hop, skip, and jump on over to the wild, wild world of baseball. Um, this has been—so Game 4 of the World Series wrapped up um, late last night, right around like 11.30 or 12 or so. Uh, I stayed up to watch the whole thing. Corwin, did you watch any of it?
1: Nope, I was very sad and just kind of hiding in my bed. Well, you missed what is one of the wildest games I've seen in a fucking minute.
0: Um, I'm going to read the box score to you. The Dodgers lost um, in, in, in regulation nine innings, seven to eight to the Tampa Bay Rays. And here's how it broke down score by inning. Uh, in the first inning, Dodgers got one, Rays got nothing. Neither team scored in the second. Dodgers tacked on in the third, another run. So they led two nothing by the end of the third as the Tampa Bay Rays did not score. In the fourth, Dodgers were held scoreless, but the Rays got a run back, two to one. In the fifth inning, both teams got a run. So it's now three to two in favor of the Dodgers. Top of the sixth, Dodgers got another run to make it four to two, but the Rays got three runs to take the lead at five to four. Then in the top of the seventh, Dodgers got two to take the lead back six to five. And then in the bottom of the seventh, the Rays got another run back to tie the game six to six. And then in the top of the eighth, the Dodgers got the go ahead run seven to six. And in the bottom of the ninth, all hell broke loose. And the Tampa Bay Rays scored two of the wildest runs to take the game, walked off 8-7. to
1: Yeah, I mean, I saw a lot of the mayhem from last night, especially in that final inning. But I don't know if any of that's going to ever do justice compared to actually watching the game.
0: Oh, my God. And it was such a fascinating game because – and I'm going to read you some statistics that I think will highlight how lopsided this game looked if you were a Dodgers fan or if you were just looking at the box score um, in terms of what the players were doing. So – because Tampa Bay, it felt like none of their hits were timely. And they, they, of course, kept scoring runs here and there. You know, they ended the night with – um. Four, four total home runs, uh, one from Randy Orozarena, of course, one from mm-hmm. Brandon Lau, one from Hunter Renfro, and then one from Kevin Kiermaier. And all of those home runs ended up having a pretty decent impact on the game, as every home run of the postseason does. But you looked at what the Dodgers were doing, and they had traffic on the bases seemingly the whole way through, and they were scorching the ball and yada, yada, yada. But it felt like every move Dave Roberts made on the pitching end of things just came back to fuck him. And so let's, let's, I want to guide you through a little bit of it. Sure. Um, sure. How many hard hit balls in your mind um, do you think? Well, I guess you didn't watch the game, but so let me just ask you kind of generally picture mm-hmm. the Tampa Bay Rays. How many hard hit balls do you think they would have gotten in, in this game where they scored eight runs?
1: I honestly do not know how to even like presume that number. I do not know the average so like I don't know what would be expected.
0: So give me give me give me just where your head's at. How how you frame it? Cuz this is something that I also wouldn't have had a really good answer to either. I only know this because I'm literally looking at it.
1: Okay. I mean, hard hit balls maybe like 3 or 4. There's really only ever one every other inning or so where you get, you know, you hit a ball and it's like, wow, that could be it. Oh, that could be out. Oh, it's a sharp grounder. I don't know, that could be wildly off, but at the same time, you know, it's it's not it's not a common thing for these, you know, hard-ass hit balls unless you're like Vlad Guerrero or Mike Trout, so I'll say 3 or 4, you know.
2: Okay. Okay, that
0: is very sound logic, and if I didn't know the number, I would totally agree with you. Uh the answer for the Tampa Bay Rays is 7.
1: Damn. All right.
0: Now, what's interesting about it Is that Joey Wendell had a hard hit ball? He did not get a hit on it. Um, Brandon Lau had two hard hit balls, only one actual hit. So we have, so two of their seven hard hit balls were for outs. So you can, I I think that that shows you a little bit
2: of a a luck factor there. How many hard hit balls do you think the Dodgers had? Uh, Less. I'll say four. Uh 19. Yeah. Yeah. A ludicrous number. Um
0: Mookie Betts had two in of his own right. Corey Seeger had three. Justin Turner had four. Max Muncie had two. Will Smith had one. Cody Bellinger had one. AJ Pollock had one. Jock Peterson had one. Chris Taylor had two. And Enrique Hernandez had two.
2: Fuck,
1: is that like? Do we know like what the average is?
0: I don't, but I can almost assure you it's not that. No. Right. Holy fuck. Right. So, and what's fascinating is again once how they're distributed. So Mookie betts two hard hit balls. He went over five. Um, Corey really? Seager, yeah, Corey Seager three hard hit balls, but he got himself a home run. Um, and three additional hits. Justin Turner, four hard-hit balls, four hits on the night in five plate appearances. Max Muncy had two hard-hit balls, but only one hit on the night. Um, Will Smith had one hard-hit ball, one hit on the night. Cody Ballinger, one hard-hit ball, no hits, 0 for 4. Uh, AJ Pollock, one hard-hit ball, he had a double. Um, Jock Peterson, one hard-hit ball, he has two hits. Chris Taylor, two hard-hit balls, he went one for five, so... One of those was for an out, and Enrique Hernandez, two hard hit balls. He had one hit, which was a double. So once again, one of his hard hit balls was for outs. But you look at you look at that breakdown. I mean, they literally goddamn nearly tripled the hard hit production of the rays. And they out hit the Rays 15 to 10. Their expected batting average was forty three points higher than the Rays, 344 to 301,
2: and the Rays won the game.
1: How can you not be romantic about baseball?
2: I mean,
0: I mean, it's, and so if you look at this from the pitching aspect of it, the Dodgers pitchers, um, Julio Urias allowed four hard hit balls in his 4.2 innings. Blake Trenton came in, allowed zero. Pedro Baez came in and allowed two. Uh, Adam Kalarik allowed zero. Bruce Dar Grotero allowed zero. And then Kenley Jansen walked his ass up there and let up one. And lost the game. And then you look at the Rays start. You look at the Rays pitching. Ryan Yarbrough comes up. In his 3.1 innings to start the game allowed five hard hit balls. Ryan Thompson comes up, allows one. Peter Fairbanks comes up, allows two. Diego Castillo comes up, allows three. Aaron Luke comes up, allows one. Nick Anderson comes comes up, allows two. And John Curtis comes up and allows five. And they won with that
2: performance.
1: I I don't know what to say, man. I didn't watch the game, obviously, so I don't know the context of all these situations. But looking at it, like, the day after, just hearing about this, this is an insane back and forth where did it look like throughout the game that the Dodgers should just be running away with it and it was just bad luck? bad situations. Yes, it absolutely
0: did. Yeah, no, it ab- that's what I'm trying to say. It absolutely, like, every time the, the the Rays scored, it was like, wait, really? They did? Like, and every time the Dodgers scored, it was in such loud fashion. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, like, it was such a wild game to have to, not have to watch, but to, to actually, like, really, you know, throw your fucking eyeballs on because, like, the way that the, the, the Rays were scoring their runs was just so – it just felt like, like they're like, oh, yeah, you know, well, that, that one happens. But then that yeah. – that, oh, that happens. Kept happening the entire game.
1: <laughs> All right, I get that. I get that.
2: Oh, do I, was, you
1: have a do – does this change how you expect the outcomes of this series to unfold?
0: Um. Only in that I think it'll take more games because if anything, this shows that even in the Rays' success, the underlying metrics are not good for them. Mm -hmm. So one would expect future performance to be dictated by uh, the actual results of how these teams are performing. Um, And the 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 problem is the Dodgers are just so. Like here's hard hit or sorry, exit velocity, average exit velocity. for the World Series thus far, and who has the highest average exit velocities thus far? Max Muncy, Hunter Renfro, Brandon Lau, Corey Seager, Kevin Kiermaier. That's top five. They have the top five hardest hit balls of the series thus far, and that's a pretty even split. You know, you got two Dodgers, yeah. you got three Rays. The next ten that follow positions six through sixteen, you have. Eight Dodgers and two Rays. It's not close. No. Like, the Dodge and, and this, is, this is the whole thing, this is exactly what we talked about with the Dodgers and, and the Rays. The Rays have good high-end production. The Dodgers are fucking deep. And this game really came down to the moves. This game shows you exactly why the logic of the closer is the closer because he closes is a stupid line because Kenley Jansen – Fucked the game up. He, he blew the game. You know, every you can sit there and say, well, Blake trying to allow two runs in, in his .2 innings. Pedro Baez allowed two runs in his 1.2. Like, you know, the game, game could have been lost in the first with Julio, or, the, or with the first pitcher, with Julio Urias allowing two runs in his 4.2 innings. But, you know, and that's perfectly reasonable to say those things. At the same time, Kelly Jansen is been struggling in both the postseason and the regular season for a little while now Mm
2: -hmm. and has
0: been an unreliable figure. And Dave Roberts, for whatever reason, while he is on team 1A to 1C of the most analytical team in baseball, refuses to make analytical decisions with his relievers in some points and goes to Kenley Jansen to close out the game for seemingly no reason other than, well, he's the closer. Um, which they shouldn't do that because that will lose you baseball game.
2: But...
1: I can't say I watch enough Dodgers games to really know whether or not Kenley Jansen has had those moments of reliability um, to stick with him in such a high leverage situation, at least this year. I know in the past he has 100% been that guy and has gotten it done at an incredibly high level. But, man, if if the trust and the faith isn't there, you know, World Series Game 4 is a tough time for that to be, you know, to, to just have that kind of blind faith. I don't want to say that's blind faith. Blind faith was a poor choice of words. But to just kind of hope and pray that, like, Kenley Jansen is able to get back to the roots, get back to – who he was instead of who he has been.
0: Right. And so I want to look at today's game. By the time this episode airs, the game will have happened. So I want to make a prediction based on some of these numbers that we got working here. So today's pitching matchup will be Clayton Kershaw against Tyler Glass. Now, this is a repeat matchup. We saw this matchup in game one of the series. They're now meeting together again at game five. And this is an interesting, uh, an interesting matchup in terms of statistics. So Tyler now got left in way too long last time. He got really roughed up. Clayton Kershaw himself a very nice outing. These, these two uh, players' performances are very wonky. Um, Clayton Kershaw so far has been phenomenal. Um, he has an average allowed exit velocity of 87.8. Tyler Glasnow, 90.4 miles per hour. Uh, Clayton Kershaw has a hard-hit percent of 34%. Tyler Glass now 42%. Uh, Clayton Kershaw has an expected weighted on-base average of 263. The exact same for Tyler Glass now, 263. Expected batting average uh, for Clayton Kershaw, 217. Expected batting average for Tyler Glass now, 1.91. So he takes the edge there. Expected slugging, Clayton Kershaw, 387. Tyler Glass now, 363. Again, edge to Glass now. Uh, strikeout percent for Clayton Kershaw twenty eight point one for Glass now thirty eight point two a full ten percentage points higher. Walk percent for Clayton Kershaw three point six phenomenal he never walks anybody. Tyler Glass now nine point two. So we, at, what we what we're getting out of this, and this is that this really just tells you what your eyes pretty much see. Clayton Kershaw stays pretty well in the zone and manages to avoid hard contact with his. Um, very precise execution on his pitches. Tyler Glass now gets great movement on his stuff, but when it doesn't move, he gets fucking hammered. And because it can sometimes move so much, ends up out of the zone a lot, resulting in a lot of walks. These high walk, high strikeout dudes are pretty common now. It's basically your Adam Ottavino. As pitch movement gets better, that means it gets wilder, and that means it's just going to be a little bit harder for you. Your, your Your average pitcher to rein in all the time um, so that's where we stand on that and in terms of batter performances, you know like, like what we saw last night really is the story of the season, what I just detailed in terms of how it breaks down by the by the numbers. So if you look at barrel percent um and again, barrel ball is that sweet spot of um exit velocity and um Launch, Launch angle.
2: angle.
0: Yeah. The Rays have three players over 10%. And we can all throw Willie Adamas in there because he's at 9.9. So that, that, that's four – sorry. Sorry, actually, sorry. It's five players. Five players, 10% or higher on barrel ball percent. The Dodgers don't have – the Dodgers have five players below 10%. Everyone else is over 10%. Holy shit. Yeah. Corey Seager really? – Corey Seeger, Edwin Rios, uh, Will Smith, Max Muncy, Chris Taylor, Justin Turner, AJ Pollock, Jock Peterson, uh, all over 10% barrel ball percent. Cody Bellinger sitting at 9.4. Mookie Betts sitting at 7.7. Probably gets dinged a little bit because of his 0 for 5 performance last night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that right there has, has been the story of the series. If you look at solid contact to take out the launch angle aspect of it and just see who's really you know, shellacking the ball here. Solid contact, we have three players over 10% on the Dodgers, two players over 10% on the Rays. But if we go nine points or higher, the Dodgers all of a sudden have six players sitting at an over 9% barrel ball percent, and the Rays are down to four. And it just keeps getting more and more disparate. For example, the Dodgers have no, but their lowest barrel ball percent is 4.6, a shared metric between Austin Barnes and Jock Peterson. The Dodgers, sorry, the Rays have, Five players below 4.6 percent. The Dodgers don't have any. Joey Wendell, Yandy Diaz, Kevin Kiermaier, Brett Phillips, and Hunter Renfro all hitting below 4.6 percent of their balls being um, hard hit. The Dodgers zero. So if you go below five percent, the Dodgers have two. And the Rays have five. Like these are, in terms of actual performance with their hard uh, with their actual contact. The Dodgers are killing it right now. They've been burned on their pitching. And if they can just, if they can move towards the strong end of their rotation, which they are in right now, if they get a good outing from Kershaw today, like they got in game one, and they get a good
2: outing from Bueller tomorrow, it's kind of the series. And you know what? I just,
1: I don't want to. I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to, you know. It's there's there's too much superstition with playoff baseball. But like, I have so much faith in those guys for the Dodgers. I I don't want to say it's a shoe in I don't want to say, oh, you know, they're going to collapse. I don't want to go too far either end of the spectrum because either way is going to jinx them to some degree. But I'd have a lot of faith if I was the Dodgers. I would have a fair amount of worry if I was the Rays just because I mean granted their their first win was a solid win against a good team um, but I mean last night it's going to be tough to have you know to keep up with that level of variance I'll say with any type of consistency um, but I also need to come out and say that I know you mentioned it earlier. I am very much rooting for the Dodgers at this point because I had forgotten that I'm in a baseball pool where you pick all the playoff teams, you pick the World Series champion, and like each person gives in like 35 bucks. There's like 30 people that do it. So I'm. it's between me and one other guy for who's going to win this pool if the Dodgers win and even if the Rays win i don't think anyone picked them so it may still come down between the two of us so i kind of really hope they win and just kind of get me a couple hundred bucks and however you know it ends up being um because while you know i do hate the dodgers you know with my longstanding fanship of the padres i also really like money and I kind of don't mind the Dodgers winning, Clayton Kershaw winning. I could I could support that. I could, you know, twist my mind around to get behind that and have that be a fairly good excuse. But at the end of the day, money's a pretty good excuse too. And I like it. So I'm not going to say go, comma, Dodgers. But I will say pay out this uh, big win for me.
2: Fair enough. Spoken like a true capitalist. Yes. Um,
0: so I just want to run through the box score again really quick, just because I, I found this to be such a fascinating game. So uh, the Dodgers scored their first run off of a Justin Turner home run. He's now the franchise leader in home runs for the Dodgers in the postseason with 12. Uh, so shouts to you, Justin. Uh, the next run that was scored was a home run by Corey Seager to put the Dodgers up. Um, one to uh, two, two to nothing. All right, then and all this time, you know, you we see, you know, like right after the Corey Seeger home run, you had a Justin Turner single, you had a Max Muncie walk, like, there's a lot that would that had been going on in the meantime. Um, the next run that was scored was a home run from Randy Arasareña, Arasareña, uh via Julio Urias, Dodgers up now two to one. Then it was a score from a Max Muncie single that scored, uh. Corey Seager, Dodgers up three to one. Then a solo shot from Hunter Renfro put the Rays um, within one at a deficit of three to two. Then Enrique Hernandez doubles, scoring um, Will Smith, and the Dodgers take a four to two lead. Then Brandon Lau hits a home run, and that scored uh, three runs, putting the Rays up five to two, five to four. Then Jock Peterson sits, hits a single, scoring Corey Seeger and Justin Turner, putting the Dodgers up six to five. The Rays then come back. Kevin Kiermaier hits a home run to put the uh, game at, knotted up at six. Corey Seeger then hit, uh, in the next inning gets a single that scores Chris Taylor. Dodgers up seven to six. No one scores in the uh, bottom of the eighth, no one scores in the top of the ninth. And then the only time in this game that this Rays score on anything but a home run, it feels like Brett Phillips uh, hits a single to right field, Kevin Kiermeyer and Randy Orozarena both score. Uh, Orozarena scoring on an advancing to third on an E8. No RBI for that, for Brett Phillips, and then scores a run on an E1, basically. Um, and that's how the game broke down. So, if you again, if you break it down by hit type, the, the Rays have scored on a home run and then 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 a single. And the thing about home runs is it's the and best. And that's
1: thing- just how you got to chalk it up every game.
0: Yeah, truly. The thing about home runs is it's the best thing you can do. But from a pitching aspect, it's one bad pitch. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to take away from the Rays, because if you hit a home run, you've accomplished that. Speaking, if I am a Dodger fan, my opinion on it is if we can just have a (laughs) slightly improved pitching performance, those home runs can become fly balls. Those can become outfield catches. And that's where we want to be. And if I'm the Rays, I'm thinking, well, shit, man, this is going very well in terms of our home run hitting. And all we have to do is rein our pitchers in so there's less traffic on the bases. Because the Rays pitching has been doing a good job of not, I don't want to say not allowing the home run, but having more distance between their home runs. So they're letting up base runners, which is bad. But most of those at bats and plate appearances aren't resulting in home runs, they're resulting in other things which are bad, but not as bad as home runs, and they just need to kind of find whatever the way is to approach Dodgers hitters to either keep it in the zones where they have lighter contact um, or where they're more likely to chase. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach these last three games, should it go that long, because both teams are hitting fine. Now it becomes pitching, which, as we've said previously, it always becomes about pitching, so
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm fucking. I'm so fucking excited.
1: Oh yeah, me too. I am very much ready for this matchup tonight. I mean, glasnow Kershaw, like that's a great matchup. I really, really hope Kershaw can stick with this momentum and you know continue to fight the the reputation he has honestly rightfully earned over the past couple of years with, you know, his playoff performance. So I'm, I'm all for it. I'll watch this one because, you know, I've crawled myself out of the the sadness from yesterday. So um, it should be fun. It should be your game.
0: Oh, you, I, I, if you're not watching baseball right now and you're listening to this podcast, first off, I don't know who you are. That's half of what we talk about. Um, But seriously, This series has been phenomenal. It's been back and forth the whole time. It's been, I really thought it would be a lot more lopsided towards the Dodgers. And again, in terms of underlying statistics, it kind of has been, but in terms of actual performance, it's been so incredibly even and so fun to watch. I mean, I really thought this would be so much less competitive than it has been. And I'm very grateful I'm wrong. This has been a blast. What if it
1: came out that one of these teams cheated in a similar vein to, you know, how the Astros did it? Not even a similar vein, like it doesn't have to be similar. Just like, what if this is another double asterisk here?
0: Um, If it was the Dodgers, I wouldn't really care, only because I don't care about them in general. If it was the Rays, I would be annoyed because they beat us in the playoffs, and that means that they probably cheated during our series. And just like... And it would be like double fucking whammy because it's like the last World Series that this was an issue in, uh, Astros-Dodgers, the Astros had to beat the Yankees to get to the World Series, and in this one, the Rays had to beat us to, I understand, get to the ALCS, so they beat us in the DS. But still, like, both times, like, both times, we had to lose to the team that got caught cheating. Um, But I would find it hilarious that the Rays beat the Astros while cheating, and the Astros would probably get... Want to be all salty about it, but then they can't be because it's like, bitches, y'all cheated like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Sit the fuck down. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I wouldn't. I I would be annoyed because Manfred. Oh, I'd also be mad at Manfred because this would be like, hey buddy, this is what you get for not doing anything. Um, what did you expect? But um, I mean it's not going to Now that it's happened, I'm, I'm not I'm going to be. I think as shocked as I was the first time. I don't
1: know, what about you? Uh I don't I definitely don't think I'd be as shocked. I think that I'd be just as disappointed. Um man, it it would hurt. It would sting. It would be like, are you fucking kidding me type of type of reaction? I think I'd be done with baseball for a good while, you know? Like if it happened for three, four straight years. I don't know if I could watch baseball consistently anymore. Like, it then becomes a, okay, this wasn't just an isolated team. This is clearly something that is throughout the league, and they were just the first ones to get caught. I I don't know if I would trust baseball anymore.
0: Which, again, is just a scathing indictment on how fucking stupid Manford was to not punish any of the players. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm Jose Altuve, I have no incentive to not keep cheating. Right. Oh, no. no. My GM will get fired and my manager will get fired. So?
1: Yeah. Oh, no. We lose draft picks? Who gives a shit?
0: Yeah, right. Like My GM getting fired doesn't matter. I'm already on the team. My manager getting fired doesn't matter. I'm already a good ball player. I already have my contracts. I don't give a shit. And he's right. Why should you
2: give a shit?
1: He absolutely should not, because he has no incentive otherwise. Ah, sadness,
0: crushing, crushing sadness. Um. Uh, yeah. Do we have anything else to talk about before we uh, kind of wrap it up?
1: Uh, do you have a prediction for tonight's winner?
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. I picked. The, I picked the Dodgers. I I'm gonna Did predict said, the lines. I- I, I I did, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be more precise about it now. I'm gonna say you get um seven innings out of Kershaw, uh because the Dodgers use a lot of their bullpen tonight, and Dave Roberts is gonna try to squeeze some outs. Um, but I also think Kershaw will be dominant. I think you're gonna get seven runs, seven seven innings, uh two runs, one walk, nine strikeouts, uh and like four hits out of Kersh. Oh, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna actually write that down. Um, so that I can watch this game and and check my phone, to see how I'm doing. So hold on, I'm gonna text it to you. Except I have your text messages up. So I said so for for Kershaw, I'm saying seven
2: innings. Um. Um. Then what did I say? Four hits. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, two walks. Um. What was it one run or two runs? Did I say?
1: I think you said two, but I'm I think not I said positive. two as
2: well.
0: I think I think I said two, uh, two runs and nine nine strikeouts. Okay, that's my Kershaw line. Now I'm gonna give the world's most generic Tyler Glasnow now line, and this is like what he is famous for. So I'm gonna say Tyler Glass now um, gets four innings, <laughs> uh, four point oh innings pitched. I'm gonna say he lets up. Uh, six hits, four
2: walks, um, three runs, and gets like eleven strikeouts.
1: <laughs> it's because that's like 11, what he does. Eleven strikeouts in four innings. Yeah, wow. no,
2: I'm, I'm, no, I'm gonna say eight.
0: <laughs> like, cause th- this is what he does? He he throws like a hundred ten pitches, but only gets like four to six innings. Gets a million strikeouts, but still leaves it like three or four runs up. So you go like, well, he got like 11 strikeouts, so that's good. But he let up like four runs. Like, what
2: are, what's happening?
0: Um, so that's, that's my guess. Um, and I'll say that the Dodgers end up winning the game 7-3. Um,
2: to three. All right. I'll take it. Dodgers, W, 7-3. All
0: right, that's my that's my official guess.
1: I'm all about it.
0: Watch, watch, watch as Kershaw gets pulled in the first because he doesn't get an out, <laughs> and Tyler Glassner throws a complete game, and the Rays win eight to nothing.
1: Because, <laughs> I'd, I'd be all about it just because that would be the fucking team chaos, and I'd be all for it.
0: Yeah, for real. Oh my god. Um. All right, so that's my official guess for today. And hey, while we're at it, what do you think the final score of the Steelers-Titans game is going to be?
1: Fuck, I don't know. I think it's going to be like
0: 24-21. In favor of?
1: The Steelers.
0: Fair. Um, I'll say I'll say this game is going to be wacky, and I'll say it's uh, 38-31 in favor of the Steelers.
1: I don't know how I'd feel about that, but I'd You'd be hate all for it. it. Yeah. yeah, I'd be I'd be stressed, but I mean it's a win. So,
0: and then for the Jets Bills, uh, I'm going to predict a 38 to six game where the Jets get two meaningless field goals so <clears> late, <throat> so late in the game where you're like, why are we even doing this? Like, just go for it on fourth down, even though it's fourth and twenty. Like, I don't want to see this field goal take place. Um, thirty eight to six. That's my that's my Bills Jets score prediction. Um. Yeah.
2: Only
1: thirty-eight.
0: Yeah, I mean, at some point they're going to tell Josh Allen, "You did enough. You can, you can." Yeah, see they're
1: going to pull him in the second quarter, and.
0: <laughs> Are you implying they're going to get thirty-eight runs in the first quarter?
1: <laughs> yeah, they're going <laughs> to score thirty-eight runs. Josh Allen's going to uh, walk out there with a bat.
0: <laughs> I mean, you could give our whole D line baseball bats, and I'm not convinced we would be any better. <laughs> anyway, uh, all right. All right, so then we'll, we'll call it a day with that shit. Um, I'm not sure I have anything else to plug. Um, so, yeah, we'll call it a day with it.
1: Thank God. If you,
0: yeah, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at JuicingPod. If you want to hit us up via email, you can do so at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com. If you want to listen to a movies review podcast that and I host, check out Juicing the Big Screen, the, the uh, brother-sister podcast of this podcast. And if you want to listen to... Um, me and, and some other people talk about a lot of music. You can apparently golf now. Uh, you can check out another show run by um, the people who run this show called You Can't Be Serious. If you want to buy some merch, check out um, our Teespring page. Um, you can just look up Juice and Numbers. I'm sure it'll come up. I can't imagine that's a popular name. Um, <laughs> and uh, and until Thursday,
1: y'all have a good one. Bye. Thanks for not having the force for me to talk about the pandemic. Okay, bye.